because people just like they just look at it as a you know a wasted item. I look at it as you know candy. I, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you for tuning in to the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Restoration Podcast. How's everybody doing this evening? Hey, what's doing up, buddy? Wonderful. Doing oh, great. Yeah. Fantastic. We are fortunate to have another interview for you guys. We know you love we know you love this series. So we got Steve from Iconic iron and oddities on with us today he has been christened by barry old tape as the caster master on (laughs) instagram so make sure to go check him out he has some fantastic stuff on his instagram a lot of casters a lot of real cool old antique iron pieces and i won't steal his thunder i'll let him tell tell us all about it steve thanks for coming on we really appreciate it oh you're very welcome Nice to be here. Fantastic. Tell, tell us a little bit about, about yourself and how you got into uh, collecting primarily casters. I mean, I know you collect a lot of different things. But right. tell, tell, us, tell us how you got into that and, and what brought you to where you are today. I probably started back probably pretty close to the early 2000s, 2000, 2005, as uh, my son be- became older and I had more time on my hands. Um, it went from, I had always kind of collected a lot of this stuff, but I never really parted with anything. That was like with most of us, that's the hardest part. Um, sure. but sure. it was, I grew up mostly around a lot of the textile mills in a lot of the old factories here in new England. Uh, I think it was just part of my blood. It, it was always something that fascinated me. Uh, we used to peek through the windows in the factories as kids, watch the workers, watch the line shafts, the belts, all the old machinery. We were all fascinated by it. I just didn't know that, you know, 30 years, maybe 30 years later in life, that it would be something that I would be seriously collecting this stuff. Um, Caster wheels have just always become something that was fascinating to me. Technically, without wheels in general, most of these places would not be able to function. To me, it's probably the simplest invention in the world and yet the most important. Um, There there was something about finding some old wheels that were so heavily rusted or unusable and being able to try to, like, bring these things back to life, get them off to someone who could use them again. Um, I always found that a challenge. Um... What else? A lot of old machine bases, gears, foundry patterns. I have many. Um, anything to do with the old factories and the old mill buildings is is important to me. So um, I have gone in and out of some of these places and salvaged stuff, or I am in pretty good connection with people who do that, and then I go meet up with them, grab whatever I need or whatever is interesting interesting to me so fantastic that's that's great yeah we really really appreciate you sharing that that experience with us and so when you go and when you go and find these things i mean i know i've been on a pick with you and we we just went through you know some random buildings to see what we can find but when you're in your neck of the woods how do you go about 
sourcing your items? Do you always go out into the wild and try to find them? Or do you have a, a source of people that bring them to you? How, how does that work? A combination of both. Uh, there are times I can go out and find it on my own. And then there are two or three people who I lean on quite a bit uh, that have connections to get into some of these old factories and some of these old buildings before they turn them into, you know, luxury apartments or, mm -hmm. or they're completely knocked down by the wrecking ball. Um, I've learned in this business that having a lot of contacts is an, is an important thing. Uh, there are two or three people that I lean on quite a bit. Uh, they help me out when they can. Uh, but it's, it's a combination of everything, Evan, every, it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Fantastic. So when, when you do acquire an item, I mean, just like when we get something nine times out of 10, it's usually, you know, rusted or, or perhaps broken in some way in need of repair in general, or just, um, at least a cosmetic restoration. So when you, when you get those items in your possession, how do you normally go about uh, fixing up or getting prepared for uh, sale? Well, I think sometimes I have to really, without, I don't want this to seem too heavy here, but for the most part, there are some items that you know, it, if they're not going to function to their fullest degree of what they should function as, then it, it's almost like you've got to do a total overhaul of the thing. Uh, there are times that some rust, some oddball paint, sometimes stuff like that can actually make an item look really nice. Uh, give it, you know, you don't want to take, I don't really want to take away the item's history. I don't want to take away a certain look that, that is developed over, you know, maybe 50 to 75 years. So there's that fine line of, of, you know, quote unquote, restoring something without losing its its history and in the patina on it and so on and so forth i use probably two to three different items to get it to that point again it's a long tedious process of <laughs> simple green wire brushes right, and right. hours and hours of scrubbing and cleaning um i do use evaporust if something is seized up and not operational, I've used that stuff quite often. Um, you still need to, I think some people have been under the assumption, I've been contacted by people before asking me if they if I've used that, and I've told them yes, and they said, well, you know, even after I put it in there, it still doesn't look as nice as what I see in some of your photographs. And it's it really is truly a lot of work to get something back to operational again yeah yeah absolutely uh, what else do i use oh uh blue dawn dishwashing detergent hmm. breaks down breaks down grease and grime probably faster than just about anything sure uh, there's it's, a lot of different products that i use is blue dawn the one that they always show washing down penguins Yes, <laughs> the, the the ducks. Yeah, with the, after the exactly. oil spill. Right. Hey, yeah, exactly. that stuff is great, and it doesn't it, really it doesn't well. really hurt anything. No, it just just no, cleans I it up. Use it, I use it all the time. In fact, so, sometimes and, I use that more than I use uh, more than I use Simple Green. So you know? with all with all of these chemicals for the casters, do you do a full immersion, or is it mostly a wash down? Um, is it safe for most casters to completely submerge? 
I'll I'll submerge them in in. I have buckets all over the house in the shop here. Uh, <laughs> I'll submerge them sometimes twenty four to thirty six hours if the grease is really heavy and pretty bad. Yeah, sure. Just completely leave them submerged for at least a day, sometimes even more. But the only thing is, I've noticed with with the simple green all purpose cleaner. It will break down the grease and the grime really fast, and it will even remove some surface rust. But if there's original paint on the item, it will attack that over time. Mm. And before sure. you know it, if you had any original paint on there, it will start to eat it away. So there's that. You've got to keep checking the items constantly to see where you're at. Yeah, you just got to know what you what your final outcome, what you want your final outcome to be, I guess. You kind of know how you how you want it to present when it's finished, whether the all right. the paint coming off or what you know what product Correct. you're going to use to get to that result. Correct. Yeah. Very so cool. when you go through this process, like let's say you just got in a new set of casters that were you know greasy, grimy, rusty, you know your typical find. If you were to take that set of casters completely through your process and have it ready for someone to buy on your ebay uh -huh. how, how long does that take <sighs> probably about four to five days okay all right yeah probably, so that's yeah it takes, it could even takes be three bit. or four days evan depending on on how many things i'm juggling at the same time right right but yeah make, it makes four, sense three or four days is a safe number Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Now, now that you mentioned it, you know, talking about that blue Dawn li liquid uh, detergent, I, it seems like such a simple thing, but I, I know I've used that before and it, it cuts the grease. It's fantastic. I, yep. I, we talked about in our one podcast, we had our, our chemicals and, you know, what we use. And I think we named, I can't remember if we named Dawn dish, dish uh, liquid at all. <laughs> I don't think. No, it was uh, simple green and evaporized kind of. Thing. Yeah, but so, I, I think that's also yeah. a pretty pretty common use there as well. We we, we kind of missed that one, but that's okay. Yeah, I feel like that works really great for if you just have something that's just generally dirty and dingy. You know, you throw a little bit right. of that on there, hit it with a soft bristle brush just to get that kind of initial nasty off of there, and just uh, so you can handle it without gloves on, <laughs> perhaps you know, as your yeah. first line of uh, of work there to to get you know. Just start, just start bringing it back, and then you see what you have, and then you can go with more aggressive chemicals if need be. But sometimes that's all you need. Yeah, right. I can. I mean, I can remember a day when, you know, I was using some of the nastiest chemicals available to try to get this stuff clean. And and, and one day you just kind of wake up and you just decide, I can't be doing this like this anymore. Um, so you try to find <laughs> a safer, healthier you know, way to do things and sometimes sure. a, fa a faster way actually. So, yeah. Yeah. Steve is buying and selling, um, caster wheels and some of the other things that you're into. Is that a full-time gig for you? Or is that just a side, a side hustle? It's actually in the last two years, it's become a full-time situation for me. How about that? Um, I worked for the state of Massachusetts for 30 years, almost 30 years okay. and retired a few years ago. So this is my full-time situation now. Very cool. Hey, nice. Yeah. It's believe me, there's nothing better than this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm an extremely lucky guy. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, Steve, we we know, you know, a lot of people that that listen to the podcast, they're they're always interested in the items that 
you know, the, the larger ticket items, I guess, that come out of the factories that you you walk through and find your casters in. Right. But like you said, it's it's such a simple thing that that this factory probably could not have functioned properly without the carts and the caster wheels that were on just about everything in the factory. Right. So casters, I know, is a new thing for me. I know there's people like yourself and there's many others that are very, very into casters. But for those who might not know much about casters who are our listeners, what are some of the, the top brands that you, you search for or find in, in your travels? Ooh, do I really want to give away my secret here? <laughs> <laughs> Evan, there's about four or five companies that were the main manufacturers of these things. Um, as far as I have been able to determine, there is a company by the name of M.B. Shank out of Meriden, Connecticut. They have some of the earliest patents of, of casters that were manufactured going back to the 1870s. Those wow. were the earliest production casters made from everything that I've been able to research so far. Um, so there's that company. There's also a company out of Illinois called Payson, P-A-Y-S-O-N. Uh, there is Bond in Mannheim, Pennsylvania. And there is Hamilton in Hamilton, Ohio. Those are the ones I search out the most. Uh, those right. are my personal favorites. Uh, they all have different uses, different you know weight capacities, and so on. But those are those were the four major players, like from you know the late 1800s up until 1940s, 1950s. In fact, Bond is still around. Uh, they're still in existence today. Cool. Um, Payson, I believe, still is, and Hamilton still is. So three out of those four companies still exist today, after right. 120 years. Yeah, that's that's Very fantastic. Because cool. when you when you think about it, I mean, even the modern day factories still need to have carts and get things around. I mean, now the the casters that that you are primarily interested in are the older cast iron style, and I'm I'm certain that they don't make those styles anymore. I mean, I could be wrong. But they, most people are right. are into the you know the big heavy duty plastic wheeled items that they have today, uh, right? But when when you look at these casters, what's that, Dave? I said they still make cast iron casters. I don't know about well, maybe not cast. Maybe they're maybe they're just steel. Yeah, but, they uh, they do. They're still out there. It, yep. They're different. That there's old cast iron weighs more than the stuff of today for some sure. reason. I'm sure someone who works in a foundry today could probably give me the scientific reason why. Um, the old cast iron has it is more dense and weighs more than the stuff of today. Very and interesting. It just is, you know. You can definitely feel the difference when you when you touch or you like I my um my my engine crane had some cast iron casters on it that felt cheap and they were cheap. One of them exploded on me when I put a heavy load on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, that just what's that tell you? It's they're not as strong as the old ones were. <laughs> no, no, they're yeah. not. No, they're now, definitely not. Now, now, uh, when in caster evolution did ball bearings become part of the equation? Because I know you go back far enough, ball bearings really weren't uh, a proven technology. Correct. For a while, they were using disc bearings, they looked like little, um, Look like little tablets, like a little pill that you would take. 
Mm. Disc bearings were big up until like the 30s. And then they started, ball bearings started working their way into most of the casters. The disc bearings fall out of, of a lot of them. Uh, I have to keep spares here, try to force other ones back in place. They do <laughs> fall out as the wheel gets older. Um, but yeah, ball bearings, 30s, 40s is, is when I started noticing, you know, you can tell that they switch from, from the little disc bearings over to ball bearings. Now, how far back do disc bearings go? Oh, God, late 18s. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There are some that don't have those MB shank ones made in Connecticut that I talked to you about a few minutes ago. Those don't have any bearings at all. I would probably have to show you a photograph for you to understand, but it's operating on two different discs that rotate 360 degrees. The wheels don't have any bearings at all. It's tough to explain. You would have to probably visually see one. Okay. But they're really cool. They don't operate on bearings at all, and they're the earliest wheels that I have from back 1875. Wow. So there were no bearings at all in these things, and they they work perfectly. Oh, they didn't get wallered out after all the hard years of hard use. I know. Isn't that? It's pretty crazy. That's nuts. Wow. <laughs> now, like now. A, year, <laughs> a year now, and they'd be done. Right. <laughs> Like that, now, far enough back, did they did they just have like a, a soft bushing, like a, a brass or a bronze, uh, before the evolution to a bearing? Or um, how can I try to uh, above 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 the wheels of the caster itself? There would be a round disc that would rotate three hundred and sixty degrees on the base. Of the caster itself. Okay. So it would allow it to just spin around like this. Sure. And there was a front one near the front of the wheels and a back one towards the back of the wheels. So the the, the wheels themselves would just rotate on the on the uh, the bottom base 360 degrees on two like access small tiny cast iron wheels. They're mm. pretty interesting. So yeah. it's like a merry-go-round that's riding on little skateboard bearings that just go. Yeah, basically. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah when, when I, have you... some, I have some sets here from very small ones to pretty big. And uh, after that, no one ever copied that design again, obviously, because they had them patented. So uh, no one else ever copied that or ever came close. So mm. this, to me, they're one of the most interesting designs out there. Yeah, yeah for sure. At this point, 150 years old. So, absolutely. And when you when uh, you take a look at these these casters, they, you know, we we often marvel at at machines that are you know beautifully made and had their their patterns that were amazing. And when you take you know look at the pictures that you have on your Instagram, Steve, these casters are are beautiful. You know, they were they were trudged through the muck and the grease and the mud and everything else, but they still took the time to make them basically a piece of art. You know, they have their name on right. them. They have, you know, the right. model number. And, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to, to find my first set of vintage casters not too long ago, and they're they're beautiful. Yep. I've just always been fascinated by them. It's, it's hard to explain. It's, you can recognize certain brands and manufacturers from, you know, a mile away, just like I'm sure you can, Evan, with, with vices and other things like that. There, there are certain characteristics of each company that stand out. You recognize them immediately, you know. Right, for sure. So, 
I mean, I got into uh, industrial lamps probably two to three years ago. Uh, that's become another, I hate to use the word obsession, but it, it's bordering on that. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> it's okay. So we it's all have another, another thing to go hunt down. So, <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. That's cool. Those are really cool, especially when you, you can get, I feel like the character on those lamps are always very interesting. They're always kind of greasy. And like oh, yeah. they got, you know, all kinds of like paint on them and everything like that. And, you know, based on what machine was on, maybe it was taking a full chip load, getting blasted out the side of some machine. So there's like some kind of just like scratch marks on it and stuff. They oh, always yeah. look so cool when you see them in the wild or even in like a bin somewhere yeah. like an antique mall. I, I like those too. Sometimes the, the, I mean, the more, I don't want to use the word beat up. That makes it sound like the thing is destroyed, but you know, the more use these things have, the more I like them. Character. Um, they, oh, they have a ton of character. Weird random stickers on them and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there Wear is, safety glasses, you know? Like, always that one. There was a company that still exists today in central Massachusetts by the name of O.C. White. I don't know if you've ever heard of those lamps before. I have not. Those no. are those are the, the ones that... The big lamp people tend to collect the most. Huh. Uh, I decided to kind of go in another direction and started collecting a particular one that was uh, the big, heavy, ugly duckling of the group, probably. And uh, most of the, the pieces on there are made of cast iron. It's probably why I like them so much. Uh, they were only around for about a five or six year period, so there's not a lot of them out there. Hmm. Um yeah, that's become like the next obsession for a little while here. You're, you're right. speaking about you're speaking about the Woodward ones, correct? Yeah, Woodward lamps, correct. Yeah, correct. that's why they're so rare. They look cool, and if you can find one in a decent condition, and they yeah. they fetch a penny. James, you're familiar with them? I am. Yeah. Yep. I, I like that look. They're bulky. Oh and yeah. They <laughs> could turn it, into a weapon if you needed them. It's, it started oh, a few years ago. I did a trade with someone, someone that I knew for one of them. I saw it and I was like, wow, what is that? I'm going to have one of those. Well, yeah, it, it, it got really out of hand. I don't know. I think I'm past like 25 or 30 of them at this point. Oh, it's wow. crazy. The hardest part is, James, you've seen them before. Yes, they have sir. a very unusual base. Mm-hmm. It, it was just like one base that they made. And a lot of the lamps that are out there that you'll find online or someone selling, they don't have the original base. Right. And it's like the key to the lamps, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's. I, I think I like them the most because they're the most challenging to find. I love know? that so, you call them the ugly duckling because the, the bulb casing literally looks like a giant duck's head. Yeah, it, like, it grabs does. from the beak. It's hilarious. It does. There's, they're, they're not sleek looking at all. They're not. I don't know. Well, I well, find them pretty, but the average person wouldn't think they're like a pretty looking lamp. Yeah. They, they're just like built like a tank. Uh, there's something really raw and cool about them. It, they're hard to resist. Your sure. photography really sells them, though. Well, thank you. Thank you. Great. Yeah, excellent. Excellent Instagram. Yeah. Make sure, you know, I know our listeners love to see where these guys are coming from, so please make sure you check out Steve's Instagram. It's at Iconic Iron and Oddities 
on Instagram. So check that out. He's got some great stuff, always posting new content there. James, if I told you how simple my photography was, you would have a good laugh. I don't do uh, anything really fancy at all. Okay. You have really good background and good lighting. The lighting is really, really kills it. So it's, good. it's James. I went to art school for seven years. Sure. And we were drilled all through school that you know how you photograph something was key and it was important to, and especially to to selling something. You know, it's it's how things are represented. So that stuck with me for a, a whole lot of years. But the process in which I do it is so simple; it's re it's ridiculous. <laughs> it really is. I <laughs> don't awesome. use I don't use any fancy cameras. Uh, all those are with just with my cell phone. Uh, but just it's sometimes the simplest lighting works the best. You know, yeah, sure. good shadow, good you know. Right. See, Dave, take take a take a lesson from Steve here. He, Steve's just taking these wonderful pictures with his phone, and you're like, no. I, I gotta get the I gotta get the whole camera set up and I gotta you know <laughs> I have this tripod with this four thousand dollar camera on it just so people can see me running around in my Crocs. Uh, <laughs> only, for the, only for the YouTube videos. All my <laughs> pictures are on my. But Evan, I'm with Dave on that because I did that for a while, and after a while, I was just like, oh, I just don't want to. I don't want it to be this complicated every time. Yeah, it's yeah, simple, easy. Have it look good on every. Let's face it, the majority of people aren't looking at these photographs on a big computer. They're probably looking at it on their cell phone. And right. it's like, as long as it looks nice on that, that was important to me. Right, so right. I just said, I, I don't want to go through this big process of, of all the fancy cameras and all that. I was like, no, it, right. I have to make this easy. You know, yeah, I, I don't want to bash, you know, professional photography because there, there are some excellent, excellent photographers out there. Oh, and, yeah. And absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but there, go ahead. There's a, there's a certain look to your your page, though. You could scroll through uh, all of your postings, and they have that same warmth, that same typical angle Thank you use. It's in the background of your um, of most of your photos. Is that a uh, machinist's uh, toolbox? There, there's a, a multi slat uh, background it's, that you use a lot. It's actually uh, a, an old foundry pattern for a grate. For a cast okay. iron grate, mm -hmm. uh, I have quite a few of those here. Sometimes I switch them out, but most time I leave the same ones on there. Sure. I I try purposely. I would rather see things lit more in a dark sense than something very bright and vibrant. Mm -hmm. But I, it's hard to to walk that line of having something be be very dark. And at the same time, still feel kind of warm at the same time. It's like that fine line of, I want to make it inviting to the person looking at it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a fine line to walk sometimes. Sometimes I tend to think like, ooh, maybe I'm just going too dark. And then I'm like, nah, nah it's okay. You know, I'm good with that. Yeah. Well, being that it's usually consumed in the late evenings while I'm trying to get the kids to sleep, it's just, it's just, it's that warm. I was like, oh, Steve posted a oh, beautiful caster. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can get cozy with this. This is good stuff. <laughs> like cuddling up at a at a, at a, at a fire, you know? Oh, that's too funny. <laughs> Took a weird turn, sorry. Oh, that's good. Um, all right, <laughs> back, back to restoration. Um, yes. Given uh, that you have such a, a, a detailed 
um, history with casters in particular. If somebody came across a, a set of casters, old casters that they uh, wanted to restore for themselves, is there a trick or a word of caution um, when analyzing casters themselves to be careful or to take extra precautions when you set about cleaning one up or getting it back into use? I would tell most of the people that want to do it <clears throat> to be prepared to spend a lot of time doing it. I think that is th the most important part is having the patience to get it done right. And it, and it does. It takes a, a good amount of patience to do this. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't mind it. I have plenty of time on my hands. I really do. So I don't mind taking the time to do it. But it's very much a step-by-step-by-step-by-step a, a by step by step process. And it just takes a lot of patience. And it, I go through, the, you know, the little handheld wire brushes that you get at, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever. I go through those things like crazy. Um, <laughs> I use them all the time. <laughs> it's, you know, you can't always... You can't always get into all these places using, you know, a, a wire wheel on on your, you know, on your bench grinder or something. It's like sure. you just can't get in there. It, you've got to use your hands. It's that simple. Um, sure. But yeah, that's probably the thing I would advise everyone the most is like you're not going to get. It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, spending five minutes scrubbing them down real fast is not going to do. And it takes time. It just takes time and patience. You know. Very nice. Fair enough. That's... Steve, who's your most regular customer on your, uh, uh, or I should say, what kind of guy is your most like uh, normal customer? Because I mean, I, I, I'm, I wonder if if people are collecting these. Like, I know Evan has like fifty different vices. casters, <laughs> are there collectors out there, or are guys taking these and putting them to work on some industrial setting in their shop, or, or making woodwork, or what? I find that most people are using them on furniture. I'm okay. probably 60 to 75% of the people that get them from me are using them on some type of furniture. I get that a lot. I get sure. a lot of questions on, you know, weight capacity, what can these handle? Um, you know, or they'll send me photos of the actual furniture they're working on. And, you know, do you have any that will fit this or work with this nicely? Or it's, it is mostly furniture. Okay. Or, or they're building, you know, um, some kind of, you know, factory cart coffee table or yeah, but in, in for the most part, it is furniture. So okay, yeah, I was going through your Instagram and just every one of your sales, it's just like or every one of your pictures, like sold, sold, sold. I'm like, man, there's some <laughs> serious collectors out there. Was my first thought, and I'm like, wait a second, something's not. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, not I, I anything wrong with collecting. Day, it was something that um, Evan was with me. A couple of weeks ago, it was one like cast iron, small cast iron column that I found when I was with Evan one day. I put it on Instagram. I think it was last Monday. Before I could even finish putting all the hashtags and tag and everything <laughs> in the photo, I already had about five messages and it was already sold. And I was oh, like, wow. wow, this is crazy. I don't even have time to tag stuff. And, and it's already out the door. You, and, and it's 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 not like that all the time. I mean, certainly sure. there, there are you can have, you know, a month or so where everything will just get quiet for a while. And you're like, wow, 
what happened to everyone? You know? <laughs> and, and, and there were times I used to be like, uh-oh, you know, like, what's what's happening, you know? Now it just, it just comes and goes in waves like that. There's really, you have no control of it. Right. Um, so, yeah. It's so when fun. you, yeah, absolutely it is. So, you know, like, like my vices, I, I think it's similar to every hobby where there's, you know, a thousand examples of, xyz vice like i can find this every day i can find so many of them but there are some vices that are like very rare you don't see them very often you're like wow this is really something special so i'm sure you have seen casters that are like wow i i can find a thousand more of these but right what what is the type of caster if you were to find it you are saying to yourself wow this is really special Holy grail. <laughs> I don't know if I want to give that information away, Evan. <laughs> that's a, that's a <laughs> it, it'll make the bids even harder. I see. I see. <laughs> okay. So, so a different way to phrase it, the uh, if you're not going to tell us which one, uh, the most rare casters, what are, what are the round figures that people are fighting these over with? Are we talking thousands? No. No. Okay. You're probably... Two to three hundred, three to four hundred, even sometimes. Wow, per, oh, per, the, per caster, per, per set of four. Oh, per set okay. Of okay, all right. Like this, this some that Evan just had last week. Um, those are really nice. Done by the same company. The embossment on the side of the wheels will list all the patent dates on the sides. Mm-hmm. Those oh, wow. will go back to like nineteen oh six. Some of those are pretty hard to find. Right. And that that's that's fine. You might find one, you might find two, but finding four of them with all the parts, they still work. The little bar scraper in the front, they're made by Hamilton, the Hamilton Caster Company. Um, it, just having everything still intact is is pretty rare. It, it's not an easy yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. So, but now they're not going to go for thousands. They may go for three or four hundred, depending on the wheel diameter. But they are not. E- they certainly aren't easy to find. Right, now, right. Now, talking about Bond and, and Hamilton, um, do you have any contact with the uh, existing company to get like yes. old literature or any old uh, yes. work instructions? Yes. Um, as far as Bond, I have a lot of their old catalogs here, all the way back to 1910, 1914, I think is the earliest one. <clears throat> I went into their factory when I visited Pennsylvania one time. And I walked in with all their old catalogs and I asked to meet with whoever, you know, the owner was thinking, you know, maybe there's a chance they have more of this stuff and I could get access to it. Well, I found out that the person I was speaking with, it was was like the fourth, fifth generation of the owner. His last name was Bond. It was, you know, the great, great grandson of the original owner. Before you know it, he was taking pictures of the stuff I had so that he could show his father. He was giving me a tour of their old facility up through the old freight elevators, through the whole nice. thing. You know, that's, and it was that's like, awesome. Wow, it was fun. Like, I'm glad I went in the door with these catalogs because it got me on a tour throughout the whole building. So I had a great time. It was that's a blast. Awesome. Um, I talked to Hamilton. Hamilton contacted me quite a while ago um, for some more photographs because. <laughs> they they would they were sending me these images saying that 
it looks like your wheels just came out of our showroom like a hundred and some years ago. And I was like, well, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. But um, I have checked in with them too. Same thing. Trying to see if I can find older stuff. Yeah. But maybe there's a chance that I have more of their older stuff than they do. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, awesome. hard. it's hard. I do what I can to see what I can obtain or at least – keep a good relationship with these people yeah yeah because that's that's really yeah. special though that they're still in business and you can make that connection that's, right. that's fantastic right it's been a lot of fun it really has absolutely it sounds like it's it's become you know it's it's a hobby for a lot of us but the, it sounds like it's really become a, a, a passion for you and you, you extremely enjoy enjoy oh, what I you're love doing this stuff i love this stuff evan that's really fantastic. I, I really do I don't know what what the hell else I'd be doing with my <laughs> if I wasn't doing this. <laughs> nice. I really don't. So I enjoy that's, it very much. Great. My family, you know, my son probably thinks I'm crazy. I mean, you know, <laughs> like, you know, if you go out into the shop, it's 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 yeah, there's just too much stuff, right? You know, oh. but I enjoy it thoroughly. Yeah. Really how how many? Go ahead, James. Oh, okay. We we had on a re recent um, podcast the question. It was a, a pretty funny way to phrase it. Was uh, if if there was a fire and you had to grab just one, what Ooh. what would it what Ooh. would it be? Ooh. And maybe tell us the story about that one. Why it's so special? Wow. Or or for your case, set of four. Wow. Yeah. Oh. You know what's this is a good one. Ooh, James, I don't know if I can answer that. Um, Steve, I, Steve's running back into the fire. No, I have to say more. I have to say more. I really don't think I can answer that. It's a really I, I unfair question. It's an unfair question. I realize it. I think sometimes that, that the, the most recent thing that you obtained, you can you tend to be very excited about because, hey, it's it's new, right? So. Right. Um, I just got something from Zach a couple of weeks ago that um, that industrial cart, Evan, yep, that you helped yep. put in the back of, of my vehicle. Yep, uh, yep. It was a really sweet piece. I love it. Um, it's new to me, so I really like it. Uh, as of this moment, yeah, maybe I'd run in and save that one, but I don't really know that I could pick anything. You know, I really don't. <laughs> that, that would be too hard. Here's a question for you. What, do you have any pieces from... You know, when you were a youngster, you said you were able to get into some of these places. Do you have any that are like, what, what's your oldest piece that you have on, on hand that maybe has some value to you? Wow. Um, I don't asking know. The, asking I, the hard questions tonight. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> yeah. that I don't know that I held on to anything from when I was younger. Okay. Uh, you know, we found stuff, we used it, we did whatever with it as kids. But I didn't really save any of it that back okay. then. Sure. But yeah, I wish I had. I bet it was a lot cheaper then than it is now. Right, <laughs> but you, you you mentioned you mentioned though that you were in there, you know, taking casters to do your own thing with. See, you you created your own problem. You're looking for full sets of casters, but as a kid, you took the caster from the set. And caused the issue. <laughs> we did. Between, yeah, between the, the factory carts, 
the the shopping carts at the grocery stores. We had some pretty messed up looking go karts that we used to have. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Wow. But That's fantastic. Yeah, I, grew up, I grew up right near a, a pretty gigantic textile mill. Um, they were also a big dye house. Uh, I'm glad I'm still alive today. As, as sure. a business, still <laughs> right, am. right. I'm sure I endured some pretty nasty stuff in that area, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Right. So, you, how many any other tools or machinery? You have a. Uh, you have any other uh, collections? I, I we talked a little bit about lights, but you know we always get uh, go down the rabbit hole with other old tools that we wind up using for our restorations. Uh, is there anything that jumps out to you that you like that, that are uh, of like an older style that you just either hang on to or wind up using for the work that you do? Oh, hand tools? Probably not that many. Okay. Uh, I have a lot of like the old JH, uh, the, the old Williams little wrenches and, you know, a lot of stuff like that. But uh, I've never been like a huge tool person. As far as collecting, I have plenty here to do the jobs that I have to do. Of course. But I've never really, uh, you know, been into, like, collecting tools. Um, what else do I have? I have a lot of machine bases here. Um, quite a few foundry, uh, foundry patterns. Ooh. Oh, what else? Do you have any foundry patterns of the wheels you collect? Ooh. No. And I wish I did. Yeah, that would, that would <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, pay attention. Get this man some um, wheel patterns. <laughs> I do have some from the Bond Company that okay. I actually got that I actually got from Zach many years ago, uh, but they're not of caster wheels. Okay. Um, what else? No, I don't have any any foundry patterns at all of caster wheels themselves. I wonder if they. I want. They've got to be out there somewhere. They've got to be out yeah, there. Maybe. <laughs> Someone listening to this podcast by accident is we're, going to hook you up. <laughs> now, now we're, we're, I would be pretty happy about that. That would be yeah. very cool. Now, how long were, uh, I guess, I, I think I answered my own question, uh, but how long was casting the primary uh, means for fabrication for caster wheels? Did they switch to milling or machining at, at a certain milestone in, in history? I would say by the time the 60s and 70s rolled around, they were using different processes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the early, late 18s, early 19s, I mean, it was primarily foundries to get this work done. Uh, yeah, there's probably a lot of milling and a lot of stuff. Now, you can tell just by looking at them, James, they just have a completely different, you know. Yep. They're not what they once, what they once were. Sure. You know? was, was there any old machinery specifically made to manufacture uh, caster wheels after they were cast, something like a, a specialized lathe tool or, or something unique. There had to be at some, some of the Hamilton ones. They there had to be machines that were almost close to an old like rivet machine. Uh, there had to be something to literally attach the wheels onto onto the stems because mm -hmm. that would could not have been done by hand. Uh, I have never seen any of those machines at all. Uh, I would assume they, they would have to be something to at least attach the wheel to the forks or to the bases. There would have to be something because I don't think a person sit there and literally did all that. But I have never seen the, seen the machines myself. Okay. Hmm. Very nice. So, Steve, when you have a good 
you know, a good batch going through, how, how many casters can you have in rotation at, at once? You Do you mean like coming and going out of the shop? Like where, where, yeah, so yeah, you have X amount coming in. So how many, how many sets of casters are you working on at the same time? Like in various steps of your process? About four or five. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's is, almost a it's a daily thing, Evan. Yeah, does, I bet. Does your you, does your USPS uh, uh, local delivery it's, it's a daily thing? My hands are probably touching those things just about every day. Wow. So yeah. You're, so you're there's post- always new ones that are going out the door. There's always some that are it's soaking in the buckets. There's some coming in. There's you know, some that you just found that, you know, those are going to take a long time to clean up. So those might get put on the back burner for a while. But, yeah, there's always four or five sets kind of in the works at the same time. Right. That's that's fantastic. So we have we have casters now. You know, obviously you can get them almost any size that you need. What what was the what was the largest size caster that you would regularly see in, in these factories? most of the average size tends to be between three inch tends to be the size that you will find the most often. Amen. But when it comes, when it comes to the (laughs) the what? (laughs) Dave, Dave making his joke. Oh, geez. (laughs) (laughs) I can't shut up. Continue, sir. See, I, I always tell them it's a four-inch caster, but really it's a three. <laughs> it looks bigger when you get close, I promise. Exactly. We're uh, talking about casters, folks. Oh, that's too funny. Evan, most of the time, three-inch, four-inch, five-inch tend to be the most regular ones. Right, Until right. You, unless you're talking about the larger factory carts, then you're dealing with, you know, 10-inch, 8-inch, larger pieces. Yeah, the, the big, the big. But for the but, most part, most of the, the, the ones I keep in stock here the most, 3-inch and 4-inch tend to be the ones that go the fastest. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Very now, nice. Is it is it the same thing with, with vices where uh, size and swivel capacity is like the double... Uh, double the benefit because I I know on some of those carts the wheel the wheels get so big they just they just don't make them swivel anymore. Is there right. a, like an, an eight inch swivel caster? The largest stuff. I have some here that I got down in Pennsylvania not long ago. I'm trying to remember if they were eight or ten inch swivels. Wow. Each each we each wheel weighed fifty eight pounds a piece. Nice. Wow. <laughs> those Drop are that those on your are. Toe. Those are some of the heaviest and largest swivel ones I have found. And they still work perfectly smooth. They need a bath. They're still kind of rusty, but they still operate completely fine. James, have you considered putting the universal woodworker on a uh, mobile platform? <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I, I, uh, when, so the first one I fished out of my neighbor's house, um, I was totally scrambling because he was like, I'm going to put it on. I'm going to put it on Craigslist if you don't get it out by the weekend. So you know, he, he brought it over with his, his tractor I pro- and said yes, but he said he could get it to the front garage lip. And so I made a base out of all my scrap wood, and I went to Obishon and got nine of those, like, 500-pound ball-bearing, uh, just whatever, casters. 
And we were able to gently land it on there and I was able to, to slide it over. The problem, there were so many wheels that I actually couldn't turn it. And what oh happened God. was I, I jacked up a corner so that I could loosen the pressure on some of the wheels and I stuck my hand on there like an idiot to like <laughs> try, try and turn them. And then when I tried to turn the other ones, the, the uh, bandsaw went on one. And just like Dave said earlier, like they just started exploding. I had ball bearings like shooting everywhere. Oh, no. like, oh my God. So I went mode with this machine halfway across my garage. I then had to like jack the whole thing up on dunnage. I ripped them all out. I bought nice thousand pound casters. I put them in each corner. So the, the crescent is mobile. It isn't running, but it's mobile. Um, <laughs> But yeah, now I have to be really, really careful because even those are impossible to turn under that load. So I have to jack it up, yeah. put dunnage under, turn the wheels in the direction I want, set it back down and push it. And then I have to do that every time I want to turn it. Such a pain, but it is mobile. Yeah, yeah for sure. And it, it's it's amazing, though, to to look at some of the pictures like of vintage factories where you wouldn't really notice it. If unless you were looking at it, but you see these carts all over the place, and they all had these casters, and some of the the items that were stacked on these carts, it, the the weight had to be so immense, oh, and yet right. you could you could move them with ease, and right. you just scoot them around the factory, and it was it's crazy. Yeah, it is. When we were in, um, when I was with Barry, we went on a tour of the star of Starrett. Yep, they had a ton. Of little small do wood dollies, cast the wheels on the bottom. The amount of crap that they had stacked on top of these—it's amazing that these wheels didn't just blow out the bottom. Really, it—it <laughs> it was outrageous. And I'm thinking, all right, these little car carts have probably been in this factory for 60, 70, 80 years, sure. and they're still and they're still together. And and that's pretty that's pretty crazy. Very impressive. Yeah, that is. What's 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 the craziest thing you've seen uh, these antique casters holding up or moving around? Ooh. Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know that I have an answer for you. Okay. Um, I don't really have an answer. Um. Typically, mostly just uh, raw materials around shops, or do you ever see tools mounted on them as a, a mobile cart? No, mostly mostly raw materials. Okay. Mostly raw materials. Steve, when did they introduce the brake, the little foot pet foot brake on the side of these things? Ooh, <laughs> history lesson. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, I don't. I don't have. I don't have any that have those. Yeah. I'm gonna. This is just a calculated guess. Sure. That probably started in the late '60s, early '70s. Okay. There was that little. There's that little side piece of metal on the side of the wheel where you would, you know, yeah. push it down, or, you know, I think that might have started more with, with, um, with staging than anything else, to keep okay. staging from rolling away while someone was up on top of it. Oh, I see. Okay. So that okay, so that's interesting. So that wasn't a that wasn't a common feature on these old things. That hasn't no. been around in the design uh, uh, for a long time. Interesting. Right, right. Stick a piece of wood or a rock behind the wheel, and that's about <laughs> all you get. Yeah. There was no OSHA. You just have runaway carts. Yeah, right. none of yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, I, run, I've never seen any with brakes on them. That's for sure. runaway <laughs> runaway cart with four thousand pounds of iron on it. Safety's for cowards.
<laughs> oh wow, Evan, yeah. I, you you said you have a, a set that you're selling. Were you, were you planning on making a mobile vice stand? Well, see that how that works is you know I I had been talking to Steve for for some time you know because uh, we got introduced through through Zach who we had interviewed previously. And, you know, I knew he was the caster guy. Obviously, I had seen his Instagram plenty of times. And I was walking through an antique mall, and I found a, this set of casters, the Hamilton casters, and I sent him some pictures. And I'm like, Steve, what, what are these? Are, are these any good? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, I've sold so many sets of those. And I was like, okay, I, I got to pick them up because that, that's not normally something I look for. And But when I, when I pick it up, it has the same feel. It has the same vibe as as the old cast iron vices. Because I mean, it's it's a piece of cast iron and it's beautifully made. And the, you know the the patterns and the work that went into that. It's just it, it was actually kind of exciting that I found those. So you bought them to Perfect. sell them, not to use them. I okay, you caught me. I I, I bought them to, 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 to make to make a buck. You know, I got them for a decent price. Um, but no, it's okay. I. I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have any any qualms about making a nice cart for it. I, I I think my ability to make a cart that would do these casters justice would be lacking. Yeah, no, I, it, I seriously doubt that. It's fine <laughs> to buy stuff to to resell it. We talked about that on many interviews. I mean, I'm sure Dave's super excited to just chop paper with that thing once all he day. gets it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it, it would it would work really really nicely in in my basement because my basement has just a concrete floor and they they would roll nicely over that so mm. i i i kind of i threw them up on on ebay to you know see if i had any bites and if i don't get them after a while it it, it was at a price where i could care less if they actually sell so i i could keep them and and I, I I could make a cart with them. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a good project. <laughs> we we should Dave, you and I, we should make a vice shaped stroller that's that Evan can wheel his his little one down on these casts. Yes, yes. What is this vice shaped stroller you refer to? It's called a vice. You just clamp your <laughs> yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah, clamp your kids. <laughs> I was gonna oh, say you should just keep you should keep the casters for yourself. I mean, I have a furniture dolly in my shop, and my kids are like, they love it when I go down there. Yeah, like I th- these are, is it these safe? Are like, no. <laughs> yeah, these these are actually that's a great idea because I, I do plan on building another workbench, and these are three inch casters, but I guarantee you I could mount them on my workbench and move it around with like nothing, and right. so. Yeah. Oh yeah, you could. That's 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 fantastic. That is a great idea. I'm gonna have to rethink that. You there know, you go. I, have, I you know what Evan was talking about. It, if it wasn't for Instagram. There are so many things that I see now that I look for, you know, like, you know, oh, so-and-so would like this, so I'll grab it for them. Or, you know, oh, I'm not sure whether this piece is complete or not. Well, I know someone who collects them, so I'll take a photograph of it and I'll send it to them and see if they can help me out. That's what's been the most fun of this whole thing, you know, is that there's a lot of great people on here who are more than happy to help you. Or, yep. you know, whatever it is you need. It, it's yeah. wonderful. It really is. Dave, Dave does that a lot. He He's like, hey, guys, I, I have this power wagon. I have absolutely no idea what to do with it. And he just spends he spends hours on his story saying, hey, guys, how do I fix this part? How do I get this running again? It is uh, one of my one of my buddies said it best. It's uh, it's a crowdsourced restoration. 
I have no idea what I'm doing. I just <laughs> <laughs> it's coming along nicely though. It is. <laughs> it is. I'm, I'm very fortunate. That's, that's the yeah. uh, the the uh, Chris the prag the pragmatic machinist bust my balls all the time because it, <laughs> it's uh it has been a crowdsourced restoration. I have no idea what's going on, but that's cool. I was gonna say it's you know it's neat. I I found um that in my person my in my personal circles in my regular life. Nobody is interested in the same things that I'm interested in. And I've found a great community of friends on Instagram that I can connect with. I mean, not for nothing, Steve. Casters, hey, listen. <laughs> it's not easy to find friends that like casters. But the internet is a beautiful thing. It really is. I think it's See, wonderful. You're in business now. Yeah. <laughs> it is. There's, there is. There is. It's It's crazy. I have it's opened my eyes to a lot of things that are out there that I didn't even know exist existed. Yeah. And I've been, you know, in this business for 20 some 30, almost 30 years. And, sure. you know, someone will post something that you think like, wow, I've never seen one of those before. I never even knew these existed. And now you're out looking for one for yourself, you know, so right, right. it's great. It's a lot of fun. Yes, yeah. It is. yeah. Just just following the, the niche companies you like to explore. I mean, uh hamilton they they made casters for nasa the duralast right, yeah. is, is, it's funny you know, isn't it is used on saturn five rockets like it's crazy to go link all these things together and yeah and uh you always see like oh founded in 1905 now 1910 you're like oh you know they're making the same thing over and over again but like their impacts on history or how they even survived right through history right. is incredible right it's it 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 is. It's truly amazing with, with everything. Companies sometimes today don't last 10 years. Uh, right. And, you know, it's yeah. a company that's been around for 120 some years making the same item, you yep. know, for 120 years. And they're still around. So they obviously have done something right, you know. So. Sure, for sure. For itself, usually, it seems. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much, Steve, for coming on to the podcast. We really appreciate it. We, we thank you for you know, sharing your knowledge and your expertise with us on on your passion casters and and what you collect and how you restore them. So, Steve, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're today. very welcome. Thanks for this having is, me. This has been time. super fun, Steve. Thank you. Yeah, Absolutely. Thank you. Make sure you go check Steve out on his Instagram. It's at Iconic Iron and Oddities. Be sure to go check it out. He's always posting new stuff. You better get there early because stuff sells quick. <laughs> Flying off the shelf, Absolutely. like they're like casters. <laughs> and remember, you can always contact us at the Restoration Podcast on Instagram at the Restoration Podcast, as well as our Gmail, which is the Restoration Podcast at gmail.com. And this has been the Restoration Podcast with James, Evan, and Dave, where we restore yesterday's tools for the craftsmen of today. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night, Steve. Thank you Good so night. much. Thank you. Hey, good night, guys. Thank Take you care. very much. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs> See you guys. Thank you.
lot of fun, honestly. It, it was it was actually Zach that talked me into getting on Instagram in the first place. Really? I went to visit him after years of him and I buying back and forth from each other on eBay. And I met him in Pennsylvania one night at a bar. And before you know it, he was talking to me on, into getting on, on Instagram. It's completely <laughs> changed everything. So. <laughs> I had yeah, no, no idea what I was in for. I really didn't. Is it, has it been a good uh, a good help to your business? T tremendous help. That's fantastic. Al although, you know, eBay was always good for me. But the, you don't really have any interaction with people. You yeah. don't. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just general general bullshit, really. Right, right. Um, you don't really have any dialogue with people. You don't really meet anyone. Um, Instagram's changed everything completely. Yeah. So cool. I love that. Well, Steve, I did mean, you, did you know? Met probably eight, nine, ten different people on there in less than two years. Wow. So great. It's been a lot of fun. Super cool. Steve, did you know Barry before you had Instagram? No. No? Okay. No, I did not. No, he was one of the first people that kind of jumped on my page in the early days, and I think it was with the connection with Zach. Mm, okay. So, yeah. Barry's Barry. the big uh, market guy. Right? Do you guys yeah. know Barry? Do you know who Barry is? Yes. Old Tape, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Old yeah. Tape 61. Yep. He's, so, he's yeah. christened Steve the, as the caster master. Yes. The caster master. <laughs> the wheel man. Yeah. Now, I'll, be, uh, I'll be honest. It, I grew up right near a lot of giant textile mills. So even as kids, little kids, we were climbing around on, a, on the factory carts or stealing wheels off the bottom of them to make a go-kart or, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. That's so I cool. really think it, it's, you know, somebody asked me, whatever got you into those? And I had to really think about it. And it might have been, been all the way back to my childhood that I was just always fascinated by them. So Very cool. I had no idea that here I would be in like my mid sixties, in my mid fifties, and I'd be into them more now than I was when I was a kid, you know? So. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> If, if I was going to tell crazy stories, it'd probably be about Barry, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we can talk about how to get him on the podcast. After. I was going to say, he declined you, interviews. You really should. Fast. You really should. It'll be entertaining, I promise you. He passed. He actually mentioned you. He said, oh, Steve's going to have some good stories. <laughs> <laughs> you so oh, my God. Yeah. I have some good stories about him. That's, <laughs> That's fantastic. We, we did. We, we met couple of years ago the first time was he had arranged some tour of the, of the Starrett company and he sent me in a, a message and I really had not even known him that much he says oh there's a whole bunch of us going on a tour at Starrett if you want to meet me there so I decided all right I'll go I'd love to get into that old factory see what it's like I spent most of the time joking and horsing around with Barry the whole time we they had to keep stopping the tour to wait for us to catch up to them because we were in all like the dark corners of the basements looking for all the old good junk, you know. And, it, <laughs> and they had to constantly stop and be like, "Come on, you got to keep up with the tour. You got to keep up with the tour." We're like, "Oh, okay." Oh, we, we just wanted to go looking for old stuff, you know. Yeah. We had yeah. a blast in there. Um, That's great. And then the second time. I don't know if you're familiar with Monger's Market in Connecticut. Have you ever yes. heard of it? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, 
Barry just sent me a message one time. Hey, let's let's meet in Connecticut. Let's go check this place out. See what it's all about. We weren't there for an hour, and we were we were signing a lease to rent a space together for a six month period. And it was like I barely knew him, yet I felt like I had known the guy for a hundred years. Um, <laughs> Kindred yeah. spirits. Yeah, I was there every Sunday with him for almost six months until the pandemic hit. Um, but we were there every Sunday, you know, for what, nine o'clock to the, for about six or seven hours every Sunday. I had a fantastic time. I mean, I had more laughs than, you know, I've ever imagined I would have. So yeah, Barry's a good dude. That's great. Good dude. Very good friend. He's fantastic. A good guy.